In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen. We once again have a parable in front of us. We like these parables, and this is probably one of the more famous parables that we hear of in the scriptures. The parable of the Good Samaritan. I think it's probably one of the worst titled parables that we find in the Bible. You might look at me and say, why? That seems kind of odd. Everybody knows the parable of the Good Samaritan, Pastor. Yes, even people who are outside of the church know about the Good Samaritan. I had a flat tire on 630. A Good Samaritan stopped by and helped me change my tire. I was in need when our house was on fire. Some Good Samaritans stopped by and helped us find some shelter. People use this term, the Good Samaritan, all over the place. In Fort Wayne, when I was at the seminary, there was a hospital that had a medevac helicopter called the Samaritan, plastered all over on the side, and you'd see it shooting across the sky to go take care of somebody who was ill. Franklin Graham in Charlotte, North Carolina, has his group, the Samaritan's Purse, where they do Operation Christmas Child gift boxes at Christmas for people all over the world in need. But I don't like this title, The Good Samaritan, because what this does for us today is really just become a moralistic object lesson for you and for me. It really doesn't show us who Jesus really is. The Good Samaritan parable, if we look at it for what it's simply titled as, simply tells us what you need to do to become more merciful and more kind to everybody around you. Just go and do this likewise. Jesus encounters a guy who's a lawyer. That should be a problem right there for you automatically. He's a lawyer who says, what must I do to justify myself? What must I do to make myself right in the sight of God? And Jesus responds with a great question. How do you read the law, Mr. Lawyer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. But in typical lawyer fashion, the lawyer responds with another question. Well, then, who is my neighbor? That's the crux of this problem with this parable and the title of the Good Samaritan. Who is your neighbor? You might look to each other here today and say, well, my family and my fellow brothers and sisters here in Christ and people that I work with, people that are in my neighborhood or my school. But what about the guy sitting under the bridge at the overpass? What about the one holding up the little cardboard sign? What about the one that's passed out on the side of the street? What about the neighbor or the classmate that totally annoys you to no end to where you just even think horrible things when you see them or their name comes up in a discussion? Who is your neighbor? And you might all sit here today with a great cheeky Christian Bible class answer and say, well, pastor, everybody, everybody is our neighbor. It's not just the people we know, but it's also the people that we don't know. And Jesus will sit there right around here in this passage today and tell you and me to act like it. Act like it. Love everybody as much as you love yourself. Treat everybody the way that you want to be treated, you might say. And you and I know in our heart of hearts we do not do this. Why? Because the whole world revolves around me or you in your situation. I'm only concerned about myself. 
And so if we simply call this the parable of the Good Samaritan today, we can wrap this up really quickly. I know maybe some of you want that to happen, all right? We could simply say, well, this guy interjects with Jesus about this conversation of treating a neighbor, and Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan, and then he simply says, well, who's your neighbor? Well, the, the everybody. Well, then go and do likewise. And we could be like Dr. Phil or Oprah or whoever else it is and, and just give you another moralistic lesson about how you should live out your Christian vocation in life for your neighbor, which you should, but you don't want to, and neither do I. And if these passages like the Good Samaritan are just simply about how you're going to live out your life, then we don't even really need Jesus, do we? Everybody knows you should treat each other. It's the golden rule. Do unto others what you would have done unto you. That's why I think this name of this parable shouldn't be the Good Samaritan. The parable should be the parable of the man who was beaten, robbed, and left for dead. I know, that doesn't look nice on the side of a helicopter or, you know, the hospital. The hospital for the beaten, the robbed, and the left for dead. But that's really what this is all about. Just as I mentioned with the kids just a few moments ago, we live in a world full of danger. In danger, you and I walk every day. This is called the world, the valley of the shadow of death, the veil of tears. Satan is prowling around you like a roaring lion, seeking to devour you, especially you as Christians, because you are the baptized. You're the redeemed. You have that big target painted on you for him to shoot his arrows at you. I walk in danger all the way, one of our hymns says, and it's true. But how many of us acknowledge this? How many of us know this? How many of us realize the dangers around us? How many of us interact with the dangers and the temptations? How many of us respond to those by freely and willingly, actively engaging in those dangers, walking the thin line on the edge of destruction, saying, I'll be okay? How many of us look at that lion as nothing more than a kitten that you'd like to have hop up into your lap? You and I today are the ones who live in a world full of danger. You are all engaged in this thing called life, which is very dangerous. Existence, just being here, means that you're in danger all the time. There's nothing that you can do that is safe. You can be hurt at every little turn and just in a nanosecond your world can be turned upside down from everything's going fine to a tragedy. That's what happens with this man walking down in Jesus' parable today. He's walking down from the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, the Wadi Kelt. I've been on it. A very rocky, narrow road that is full of dangerous overpasses and other places that you could fall down let alone a perfect place for robbers and thieves and murderers to hide as you walk along. The whole point here today is not for you to try to be the Good Samaritan. After all, what do we constantly say? Jesus does the verbs. Jesus is the one who's acting these things out. If this is simply about you being the Good Samaritan, then go on, head, head out the door, try to be nice to people. But see how far you get with that. 
See how much danger you envelop around yourself. Sometimes this dangers are even, even our own doing. Sometimes we consciously and willingly make the choice to do things that turn into a disaster or an embarrassment. Sometimes you even know that your choice is not going to work out well. And other times things happen to you without even lifting a finger. And sometimes no one is to blame for the mess that you get caught up into. No one escapes this life without a fair amount of danger, battle scars, and most of them you didn't even ask for. So today, we really are saying, beware. If you find yourself lying half dead in a ditch on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, or the road from Mamel to Little Rock, if you find yourself completely beaten and battered on the road called life, having fallen prey to violence, and, what are you going, what, and everything else that can be done against you, or that you yourself have done, what are you going to do? That's why Jesus interacts with this lawyer. This guy says, what must I do? You and I are beaten, robbed, and half dead in our sins. This man's question is a silly question. He's just like everybody else. What do I have to do to get ahead in life? What do I have to do to receive an inheritance? Think about that for a moment. If you have a last will and testament, I'm sure many of you have not told your children or grandchildren what they must accomplish for you in order to give them your inheritance. It's simply given by the giver. Somebody else is doing the work when it comes to you receiving the inheritance. They've gone through the work of getting things ready and making sure that all of the documents and everything is in good order. And all you do is simply show up after they've died for the reading of the will. It's a question, yes, asked by a lawyer. It's a dumb question, but nonetheless, it's a question that we ask as well. Because we see how the world works. We see how everything around us works. And we see that everything seems to be based on your effort and your sense of reward. But hear how, it, hear how again it goes for you and me according to Jesus. Who are you in this parable? You are the man who'd fallen among thieves and found himself half dead, in a ditch, stripped of all that he had, left with nothing to die. What can he do? Pull up his bootstraps, pick himself up, find some sticks and leaves and cover himself up and try to make himself healthy and well again. No, he can't. He can't even rely on the religious types, the priest and a Levite who walk by. They want nothing to do with this guy. They simply pass along. And maybe, just maybe, you haven't been physically beaten up or robbed, but maybe your sins have weighed you down. Maybe they've maybe felt you completely like you're in the dust, you're nasty, you're unclean, and they should. All of us have done these things. We've done things where people are absolutely afraid to even be around us. We've done things that have caused us to be prey for the devil and the world. And left without any help from God, we will surely die. So what must you do? What must you do today to receive this? Be dead. You don't need to give life to living people. You cannot pull yourself out of this ditch. 
And so all that we can do today is to die to ourselves, to confess our sins, and to realize that we have been put to death in our baptism. Confessing that we are dead simply says that we need Christ, who is the good Samaritan. That's how you should view this today. He is the good Samaritan. Even though he came to that which was his own, his own would not receive him. You have to understand what a Samaritan is. They're half Jew, half Gentile. They don't belong in the kingdom of God, according to the Jews. They're kind of these outcasts that nobody wants to be around. And yet Jesus is the one who comes along to his own. They would not receive him. He who knew no sin would become sin for us. He is the one who comes out of the middle of nowhere to rescue you and me in our death and in our sins. To bring us out of being the victims of evil that we have done and that other people have bit, beaten us with. Jesus' message to you today is not a message of betterment. How to transform your life to be a kinder, loving neighbor. He simply takes you and me out of death and into his life. You were dead in your trespasses and now you are alive in Christ. He has a troubling solution, though. He gives up himself for you. We may not like this. We may not like the aspect that he goes completely to death for us, giving and paying everything on our behalf, but that is what he does for you and for me. He is like that good Samaritan who not only picks us up, but also binds up our wounds, pouring out oil and wine, which seems kind of ridiculous to do, but nonetheless doing it. He's the one who puts us on the back of his donkey, even though he has to walk the crooked and narrow road. He's the one that places us in the inn and says, put everything on my tab, and if there's anything that I owe when I return, I will gladly and willingly pay for it, for this person was dead, but now is alive. This picture for you today and for me is a warning of everything that is out there. Everything that looks tempting, everything that the world calls bad is now considered good. Or excuse me, everything that we call bad is now considered good. And everything that we call good in here is considered bad by the world. You walk in danger all the way. You walk with the devil prowling around you, but you walk nonetheless with your rescuer at your side. In the waters of holy baptism, he has anointed your head with oil. You are now declared his living, breathing children, declared to be given the promises of God, declared to be given the inheritance of everlasting life. Here at the Eucharist, he gives you the cup that overflows with his wine, his body and his blood, which pour out for you the medicine of immortality. You've been beaten, battered, and bloodied by the world this week, by the sins you've committed and by things that have been done against you, and he tells you to recline at his table today so that he may forgive you and heal you in the forgiveness of all of your sins. Today the message is very simple. Life is rough. It's even deadly. But Jesus continues to walk, looking and searching for those who are in need of healing. 
And he will return for those left to heal in the care of this place, the church, the inn. He will return for those whose wounds continue to be cleansed and bandaged with what the early fathers would call the medicine of immortality. And yes, in all of this, you have received his inheritance. This is a poorly worded title for the parable. Scratch it out of your Bibles. The parable of the lost, the beaten, the robbed, and the dead. You have been rescued and brought to life. There's nothing you can do except bask in his healing. Healing that he gives to you today and every day. And as that healing and that love and mercy is poured into you freely, it will flow out to those who are in need around you. Because you can do all things in Christ who strengthens you. He will go out in your vocations. He will go out in your job, your school, whatever it is, your neighborhood. And he will be his salt and light in and through you for the benefit of your neighbors around you. And I would dare say that half the time you're not even going to know that you're doing it. That's the way it should be. That's the way the kingdom of God works. He will not pass by the wounded or the beaten. He will simply immerse himself in our sins, our destruction, and our death in order to rescue us and heal us and bind us up with his wonderful gifts of grace. For he has come to bring healing and mercy for the life of the world. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.